Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers postgame show. I am Johnny Nani. I've got Tony Marchese with me tonight. Uh, been a little bit since me and him have been on. Unfortunately, we're discussing a Blackhawks 2-1 to one loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets here Friday, January 29th. But a little bit tough go. Uh, Blackhawks had control most of the way. Um, but, you know, the scoreboard is what ultimately matters here. So, Tony, first of all, man, it has been too long since you and I have been on one of these together. How are you doing, my man? Johnny, I'm frustrated as hell, buddy. Um, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to be honest with, with all the listeners, with everybody, with you. I have yet to watch a Blackhawks winner this year, and that is extremely frustrating. Uh, I missed the Detroit series kind of from my own uh, sanity. I wanted to see if. You know, uh, the the Hawks would actually pull one out if I didn't watch. And that's, of course, what happened. As you like to say, Johnny, it's only crazy if it doesn't work. So I uh, I sat out the second Detroit game. And uh, if you listen to this show and uh, you're not near a TV, can't get the stream working or anything, Johnny does some excellent work on the Four Feathers Twitter account. And you can literally follow along with a game just watching that Twitter feed. So that's how I that's how I, you know, watched those games was through Twitter. <laughs> um still drank the beers and everything. I just couldn't put it on. And uh you know, they 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 won those games and then uh man, uh the last game uh I tuned into uh in about like the third period and uh, I think it was a tie game and uh immediately uh what was that against Nashville? Uh they put one in the net as soon as I turn the TV on. So I feel like I'm part of the problem here, Johnny. I'm a little frustrated about it. Not going to lie. Watch this game in its entirety. And I just felt like there's some, some crazy Marchese curse at work here. <laughs> yeah, no, it feels like it. Uh, Cause you'd mentioned that to us in the four feathers group chat among our panelists here. And I, you know, like you said, I'm full firm believer in that the, it's only crazy if it doesn't work. So I'm glad you uh, straight away and we got our wins last weekend, but uh, man, uh, tonight, you know, it should have gone the opposite way. Uh, this should have been a Blackhawks winner. Um, yeah. I could go and read off all of these figures mm-hmm. here um, in scoring chances. Blackhawks 26 to 20 at five on five, 33 to 21 overall in the scoring chance department. Usually you're probably coming out on top of something like that. Um, but uh, that was not the case tonight. Um, you got to give credit to, first of all, both goalies. Um, you know, Jonas Corpsala for the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, he made some outstanding saves on doorstep chances when his guys were really tired. Patrick Kane in front of the net trying to tip one home. It's like, how the hell does that stay out? Uh, there are a few others. You know, Soderberg puts one through his legs that just goes wide and skids by the post. Um, just a, a lot of craziness here tonight. So we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that. Um, but before we do, for the listeners, make sure you go to on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at On Tap Sportsnet. And if you enjoy the podcast, go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you prefer to listen to your podcast. So, Tony, uh, my initial thoughts here: Blackhawks roll uh, seven defensemen, eleven forwards again tonight. I'll just come out flat out and say it: I fucking hate that lineup setup. I don't know about you. I hate it too. Um, it's bothered me. Uh, ever since Q used to do this every now and then to uh, run that type of lineup out there. And I've always been bothered by it. I don't know what the point of it is, how it just, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help you. I feel like it puts you at a disadvantage from the start. That's just how I feel. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, uh, you know, I've seen it was more last year, but there were, you know, uh, some of the beat reporters, I think Ben Pope uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times had put them out their record in games in which they play the this type of lineup. And, and it was just bad. It, you know, you're, you're not getting positive results out of it. I'm not saying that's the only factor. In, and there's other, you know, circumstantial stuff here, too. We got the Boquist to bring get Walmart on the COVID list for at least two weeks. They got a lot of young defensemen here, both on the taxi squad between them and Rockford trying to get looks at all of that. So uh, I understand some of the, like the thought process behind it, but eventually, um, you know, you're just, uh, you know, milk and Patrick Kane dry here. Uh, Cause he's playing, you know, 27, 14 tonight. Um, that, that's been a common theme for him mm-hmm. uh, up in those mid twenties and minutes. So it's not that he can't handle it. And I'm sure, you know, hell if it was up to him, he'd be out there friggin' 45 minutes a game. But um, you know, in reality though, to get the best performance out of him, you probably want to slim that down a little bit unless you're talking like an overtime game that's about the only time it should be getting up there um yeah i'm talking playoff overtime uh that kind of you know figures but um, yeah playoffs no we're not talking about playoffs um uh let's get get through a little bit of this here um you know line blender was in full effect tonight i was about to mention in my initial thoughts here new pairs to start Keith Carlson, Dehan Murphy, Zadorov Mitchell um, thought that could have been disastrous, but th- these were fluctuating all night. So I thought it could have just because of, you know, what Nikita Zadorov is both good and bad. And me and Ron talked about that before. And Mitchell's yep. blunders, and, you know, he had more of them tonight, whatever. Uh, it happens. But uh, like I said, line blunder was in full effect. So I can't even give you uh, a solidified uh, what the lineup was uh, through and through tonight. But, um, Getting uh, out here into the first period, um, you know, kind of a little bit dull uh, early on in this one. I believe the you know the shot totals were low once again, uh, like the uh, Wednesday night game in Nashville. But uh, Columbus was able to convert uh, on an early power play goal. Kurashev took a hooking penalty at the 7:47 mark. Uh, Yorkstrand snipes from the left circle after the Hawks get a little aggressive on the kill. And Tony on this one, sure uh, it stings. You don't want to go down and give first goal ever. But the the way that that play developed, uh, it, it was poked out um, by a Blackhawks winger. It might have been Ryan Carpenter near the point there. Um, and, and the Jackets were kind of backtracking a little bit to retrieve the puck at the blue line. And uh, a couple Hawks forwards come out to try and apply further pressure. Uh, but the, the Columbus fans was able to recover, uh, get it to his point man, um, who, who was kind of creeping up through the high slot, and he gets it over to the wing, uh, to Bjorkstrad. So, uh, like I said, it, it sucks, but I, I guess I can't really be too um, upset about that because, one, it was on the power play, and, two, um, if you get that break the other way, uh, we're talking about a potential shorthanded goal here because you, you got a flat-footed defenseman mm-hmm. uh, at the top of the key, and uh, then you would have two rushing forwards uh, coming at you with strides. So uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts early on with this first goal. Yeah, I mean, this is just one. Uh, that's a hockey play. You're going to give those up every now and then. Um, you know, you're going to get stretched out like that. Um, it's not always going to go your way. Uh, you see this, uh, you know, especially uh, when you're on the kill there, and, and uh, it's it is what it is. I I, I didn't really think too much uh, of them being at at complete fault there. It wasn't uh, a weak goal, a mental mistake goal. You're going to give up good goals on the other side of the ice. So um, they they kept battling after it too. So that that's you know you could tell that wasn't uh, it wasn't going to be detrimental in this game. It was going to take more than one. 
quick note before we move on. Um, I fucking hate the name Oliver Bjorkstrad. Um, I <laughs> the, the pronunciation of it, the spelling of it. I was, you know, uh, initially when I was running the Twitter account, like you had mentioned earlier, how I kind of handle those during the games. Um, initially, I thought it was from someone else, but then I had to backtrack and then realize it was Bjorkstrad. And by the time it got to it, to like spelling that out, I was like, fuck this. I'm not even putting it out there. Just talks are down one. Like I'm not even, that ended up being it. I'm not even going to try and fucking say this guy's name. That's that's where I'm at with it, because I, I see it and it's just we're not even going to go there. Moving on here, uh, Hawks, you know, they had their chances here uh, early on during the first period. Uh, Columbus barely getting much offense going uh, that power play. Uh, so it was actually a really good start uh, for the Blackhawks overall. And Carl Soderberg, a new face here in the lineup, fairly uh, new, obviously, after his uh, immigration issues that kept him sidelined for the beginning uh, road trip of the year down in Florida. Um, he's in the lineup, um, sneaks in on a little bit of a break, a little uh I guess, kind of lapse in defense by Columbus, but he's denied on the doorstep. So uh, just sign of things to come from uh, Jonas Corposalo there. Um, like I said, line blender in full effect. Uh, is Zadorov playing with anyone and everyone on the back end? There's Bodine at times. There were Mitchell at times, like I mentioned. Um, just interesting to see that Mitchell and Dehan eventually got back together. Um, moving on, though, that was about all I had from the second, or excuse me, from the first period, like I mentioned. Uh, Blackhawks in full control for the most part when you're talking possession numbers, but obviously not up on the board, uh, the thing that matters at the end of the day. So um, early in the second period, uh, Hawks came out and looked pretty good. Uh, once again, continuing over their trend from the first period, Corpusalo almost screwed himself over uh, on an early dump in. Uh, Strom had an opening but hit the post. Um, Mitchell was helping out a little bit up in the offensive zone, so you're seeing both good and bad because he had a you know, kind of a trip uh, over the puck later that almost resulted in getting one in the back of his own net. Um, but after Mitchell would have comes been so and pinches nice. up, yeah, it would have been, been so very nice. nice. It would have looked uh, very pretty. Um, yeah. I will agree with you there. But uh, Eric Robinson uh, gets in behind everyone. You know, like I'd mentioned, Mitchell coming up in there and Patrick Kane being the one back. Uh, Robinson comes in. He's got good speed, uh, beats everyone, uh, scores on a break in top shelf, uh, 2-0 jackets here. Um, it felt very deflating at this point, Tony. Yeah, and you had mentioned, too, uh, I believe this was one of the tweets that came out from Four Feathers. It feels like one of those nights where the, the Hawks are going to pile up a ton of fucking shots and just not be able to put in anything into the net. And we've seen that movie so many times, Johnny. Um, even when this team was an absolute powerhouse, I feel like there's always those nights where you can pepper the net, you can own the possession of the puck, and the Hawks actually look like a damn good hockey team, but they're just getting beat by a goalie. And you you kind of started to feel that after, you know, the one that we should have had right there to tie the game, and then, you know, they go up to nothing. It is deflating. I think that's the fucking perfect word for it. It's just absolutely deflating. Um, yeah, that was the roughest point in this game. And there we go. We have our episode title, Deflating, because uh, that's what it was. Uh, absolutely. But nod to uh, Corpusalo um, here because, you know, you talk about someone having to make those saves uh, when all those chances are coming through. Uh, and he did that. Just that. Um, there, there were plenty of Lankinen stops, too, at the other end. Um, but we'll we'll get to those. Uh, you know, unfortunately for the Blackhawks, a strength that has been early in the season uh, was the power play. And they would convert on one. Um, but, you know, they had a couple other opportunities. They went one for three overall tonight. Um, but, you know, the one I'm talking about here uh, when we're going chronologically in the game, uh, there's a Seth Jones high sticking call uh, around the 405 mark of the second period. 
nothing going on that power play. Um, Hawks getting good looks after that. Uh, Texier takes a uh, tripping penalty on Murphy. Luckily, the Hawks were able to convert on this one. A um, couple good chances. Dominic Kubelik just, you know, fucking blasting away. That's what he does. Um, eventually leads to getting over to Kane, who sets up Strom in the slot. And uh, sneaks one past top shelf as he's driving kind of through uh, that mid-low slot area. Uh, makes it 2-1 here. Kane Kubelik on the assist. Uh, nice to see Stromer get one here, Don. I want to talk a little bit about this right before uh, Strom was able to put one in. There was a cross-ice pass where uh, it, the, the, the puck was tipped a little bit and Stromer had it. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, he he had that puck. It just kind of it, it kind of pushed his stick a little bit. It looked like he had some weak hands on it. And I was literally about to text you, fucking weak hand Strom should have put that one away right there on the same same power play there. And uh, you, before I could even get that text to you, uh, the <laughs> the play develops and, and Strom puts one in, and it kind of <laughs> snubs my ability to to text you that. But I I was actually thinking before this game because I'm I'm going and looking to play some bets uh, on the Hawks game. And uh, I was thinking to myself right before this, like, Str- I feel like it's going to be a night for Strom. And when I saw that, I was like, ah, shit, I should have put the money on it. And then, of course, uh, like, as that play was developing, I'm like, I should have put money on that. And then I'm like, I'm glad I didn't. And then he fucking follows it up with that. That's, <laughs> you know, just the, the, the thought process there. But I was glad to see him get on the board because he's a guy right now, especially with Alex to bring it out that has to get going. That has to provide offense for this team or there. This would have been a two nothing game. You know, there's going to be nights uh, like the other night where Patrick Kane just doesn't show up. And we've talked about secondary scoring on this show since it, since it started Johnny and uh, Strom is that guy right now who needs to be able to step up in the absence of some others. I would agree with you there. And uh, to, to be fair to Strom, to be fair, uh, that tip, that pass that you're talking about uh, on the chance before he uh, ended up scoring was tipped a little bit to slow it down just enough to not get a clean feed over. So um, I don't know if you said that's the what replay, I'm talking about. That that's what I'm talking about. It, was, yeah. it was slowed down and it, it looked like it was too hard for him. to. Yeah, well, you, you said you were saying you were about to text me. Uh, oh, like, what's up with your hand, Strom? It's like, come on. That, that was if it's on the tape, he probably buries it. So. You know, and doesn't get you know, deflected through uh, on the way by defensemen. So anyway, uh, as we're I here, just expect uh, NHL players, Johnny, to be like <laughs> all the time. Otherwise, you know, yeah, high quality of standards here. You're playing too much chill. So uh, let's move on uh, from this. Um, you know, the Blackhawks go shorthanded at the 1124 mark. Uh, actually, a really good kill uh, on this one. I actually have three notes from this. Uh, Yanmark had a nice shorthanded chance that, of course, is killing off clock there. Um, Carlson makes a good read to uh, intercept pass, generate a breakout there. Uh, and then Camp and Carpenter uh, kind of towards the bottom end of that, uh, killing it off. So, you know, I know they gave up the one earlier, but um, the, this other kill uh, it was really really damn good. So then uh, they were um, eight for eight uh, on the kill in Nashville. So if you're looking at positive trends in a season of silver linings here, as Ron and I have dubbed uh, er- earlier episodes, that's uh, definitely one uh, to keep an eye on there. And hopefully they can get back to their levels of where they were, uh, I believe ninth overall uh, in the league last year in penalty kill after a uh, previous year of being absolute dog shit on it. So um, moving forward, that was about it. Hawks out shot the jackets 1912 in the second period, but they did uh, get out chanced uh, nine to eight. So uh, just interesting that, you know, when you do let them in your zone, you're letting them into the high danger areas. Um, kind of my, 
shtick from earlier in the year. Uh, get the puck the fuck out of the house. Uh, that's what you got to do there to clean that kind of stuff up. But uh, moving into the third period, um, hey, Jonas Corposalo, uh, he was the man. And then Kevin Lykanen on the other end. Because uh, one thing that kind of irked me here, I talked about the Blackhawks controlling possession for most of the game here. Actually not the case uh, in the third period. Um, slight advantage uh, at five on five towards the Blue Jackets. The uh, shots that got through and on the net uh, were more in favor of the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that can be a testament to Columbus playing a little bit more lockdown defense, uh, making it a point to get out in front of those pucks there. Uh, But at the same time, you also just want to see the full court press uh, when when you're trailing like Mm -hmm. that and when it feels like nothing will go down. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, uh, I need to, uh, before we, we talk about the uh, final takeaways and get into next game's preview, Kevin Lykanen, even though this guy lost uh, first game that he started in that the Blackhawks have not picked up a point in, which which is weird. Uh, they probably should have tonight. Uh, if anything, they didn't deserve to get a point on Wednesday night in Nashville, but that's the weird way that hockey goes. Uh, he, he made just multiple series of saves uh, throughout the middle uh, near the end. Uh, of this third period. Um, you, you've been big on Lankanen. Um I think most of Blackhawks Nation is big on Lankanen after seeing uh, just these early performances going on and keeping them in games that they shouldn't be in, and uh, e- even tonight uh, keeping them alive to have a chance at this at the end. Uh, elaborate on Lankanen a little bit, your thoughts since you haven't been on a little bit. Yeah, and I've I've been waiting for this moment, honestly, uh, to get to, to talk after uh, we did the season preview show, Johnny. Uh, you, you asked, you know, who's going to benefit the most from this taxi squad and the call ups and everything. And, and I think I also answered, you know, who's going to be the, the breakout in net, uh, Kevin Lykanen is my answer here for, for both of those. And he is the reason I'm watching this team right now. Uh, it's just awesome, uh, seeing a young goalie, uh, come in and, and have as much confidence in the crease as Lykanen has had so far. Um, especially with what's you know really in front of him, he's keeping this team in games. Um, you see him out there, uh, you know, getting uh, the win in, or the win with against Detroit. Uh, you've you've watched him uh, take team uh, take this team into overtime. You see him tonight, uh, just especially uh, in that third period, just some amazing saves. Uh, you know, I tweeted out the other night, uh, Kevin Lykanen is getting really close to being one of those cool and tough guys, and you know, he, I think, man, I, I really think that there is some number one goalie shit that he's got. And I, I think that that is going to be huge for this Blackhawks rebuild as a, as an overall uh, positive development out of this year. Uh, he might be the biggest story when it comes to guys that take that next step and, and be part of this, because uh, I, I know as we were going into this, we expected a lot of Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia handling the net and, and maybe Lincoln and get some chances. Uh, you were, you were high on the fact that, you know, he's going to give you uh, the best games out of there, but he might be a little bit green. Uh, I think he, I think he's exceeded a little bit, both of our expectations in the early going. And it's just so fun to watch. Uh, even if the Hawks are losing, he's not giving up a lot of soft goals. He's not, there's not a lot of uh, mistakes. Uh, we talked about the goal in the first period. Uh, that was a good hockey play that that led to a goal. Uh, and you can't always fault the goalie for that. Every goalie is going to give up goals in most games. Shutouts are not common. Uh, and I, he's yet to really steal that game. But I, I'm I'm pretty certain that if he continues to play the way he's playing, we're looking towards uh, Kevin Lykanen being the type of goalie that can uh, put this team in a, in a position to have a goalie win. 
uh, kind of like we saw on the other side of the ice tonight. It, it's good to see. This is this is fantastic for the Blackhawks. Um, and, you know, uh, let's just hope that he continues down this path. You, yeah, you talk about the story of the year, and very well could be. Obviously, that's going to take a while to play out uh, uh, when this whole 56-game campaign is over because the Blackhawks are not making the playoffs. So let's just be real with ourselves here. We knew that from going in, though. But uh, sorry so far, too. Uh, I think there could have been uh, other uh, lines that would have been drawn uh, with this. You know, maybe if there was a more uh, pious suitor for a little bit there um, with the hat-trick game on Sunday. But no, it, it has been the Kevin Lankinen show for the most part, and that has definitely been the story of the Blackhawks so far this year. So uh, I would agree with you. Uh, excellent to see someone step up. And I've talked about b- beyond his play on the ice. Obviously, that's number one. But his mentality, the way he carries yes. himself, the way he says in media. And I want to be the Blackhawks number one goalie. I love that shit. That's mm-hmm. confidence. That's taking ownership. Um, that's cool and tough, Tony. So I cool would put him in that category already. Cool and, uh, cool and tough statements being made uh, on and off the ice. Just the way he carries mm-hmm. himself, this is a, this is the type of goalie uh, that you want to have on a team like this because you know you can look three or four years into the future, and if Kevin Lykinen's that guy, if they make the commitment to him, uh, you you start to see these early trends, and uh, that's the type of guy that can that can grow and build that confidence. Uh, you even look at uh, the former. Uh, net tender Corey Crawford kind of came up on people a little bit too. Uh, there were question marks about him, and uh, he was a late developer. It, it's just once that once you reach that peak uh, in the NHL where you start to figure things out and, and you you get that confidence, um, it, it's huge and it goes a long way. And you can see it over and over again as goalies come in and out of the league. But uh, I really like what I see in the early going here. Obviously, it's a small sample size, which is why. I mean, I was even hesitant the other night to put him in the, the camp of cool and tough, but <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make the call too early here, Johnny, but we, we could have a really good goalie in Chicago for a little while. Yeah. So I want to see you talk about small sample size there. And I think that's big um, because in granted circumstances change year to year, but right. Kevin Lankinen outstanding first half for the Rockford Ice Hogs during the 2019-20 campaign. Um, made the All-Star team, was the Ice Hogs lone representative at that event uh, in, I believe, February is when they hold that. After that, fell off a bit. Colin Dahlia took back the net for the Rockford Ice Hogs in the second half down the home stretch as they're trying to make a playoff push last year. And obviously season suspended before anything can get going there. But it, it was a little bit of a drop-off for Kevin Lankin in there. So I do want to see the long haul. See how this thing plays out. Um, and you know, it, we're not we're not we're not anointing him, Corey Crawford, yet. Uh, no. But when you when you just talk about what you've seen from each of them, we've had the daily of flail. Uh, we, we've had the Subban. Every save looks like a struggle. Um, and we have calm, cool, collected Kevin. Uh, I'll he, take uh, the latter three of those options. He is the best goaltender in net for the Blackhawks right now that gives them a chance to win hockey games. And, and I think that that's what's most important. Uh, to realize at this point in the season. And I love the way that Jeremy Colleton's been riding him as his number one right now in the early going. Uh, I did not have confidence that that, that Jeremy would make that move. Um, and, and I think that kind of speaks a little bit too uh, to some of the adaptability that we've seen out of Colleton uh, recently as well. Um, and I'm even going to go and say too, um, that line blender that was out there today, did Jeremy Carlton like stumble on some sort of like, you know, computer program, uh, that, uh, coach Joel Quenville left over in the, in the, 
in the Hawks coach's computer room. Like, I, what like, what was that today, Johnny? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seriously feels like it because Q is notorious for doing that. Um, but you know, it's I think it was just more working with eleven forwards because you obviously don't have. Uh, four full lines to trot out there. So um, you're just trying different groups uh, out of an intermission uh, from the second to the third specifically. Uh, you had like Soderberg centering Kane on a wing and uh, forget who else, maybe Yanmark uh, uh, on the opposite side. And then Kane would play up and down uh, with multiple lines. So um, it's a combination of that too, um, to just going with what he has at his disposal there. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, um, as we're getting back, you know, we kind of went off on Lincoln in there. Um, but just, you know, a testament to um, how, how big he has been so far for the Blackhawks and how impressive it has been, um, because I think, you know, m- most Blackhawks fans, uh, hockey media people uh, would share in our sentiments here. Yes. So um, there are a couple Hawks had a couple chances. Um, Corpus Salo uh, stuffs Kane right on the doorstep is a great feed from Dylan Strom up front. Um, and these are the last two chances, real good ones for the Hawks. Uh, Soderberg has a backhanded chance, like I mentioned, goes through the damn five hole, but uh, it was wide just outside of the post, and uh, that's all she wrote. Um, uh, Hawks couldn't get uh, one in the back of the net even after pulling Lankin in, uh, getting the six on five, and uh, you know, two one loss. That's the way she goes, uh, unfortunately, tonight. Uh, I feel like we're gonna have a lot of those this season, but hey, I am encouraged by the jump, the get go, uh, because you look at a game like Tuesday in Nashville, and that was dead, uh, they, they looked like zombies on the ice. So, uh, I do appreciate the effort at least, and um, you know, kind of generating offense even with a kind of makeshift group up there it makes you feel like oh hey when we get walmart when we get boquist when we get to bring it back uh hey say a jonathan taves joins later down the stretch of the season uh it at least gives you a little bit more hope uh for stuff like that so um that's my final takeaways from this one i don't know if you have any final thoughts before we move into the preview of sunday's game uh final thoughts uh the hawks looked good um i test uh, they did not perform to the level to win an NHL hockey game tonight. Uh, there's a lot of lack of depth on this team right now, especially with uh, the amount of guys they've got on the COVID-19 list. Uh, they played a fun hockey game. It was a fun hockey game to tune into. Uh, you got to watch a young goaltender make some incredible saves. Uh, just keep tuning in for that, man. Um, it, I'm still not at the point where I would ever comfortably place money on the Hawks' money line. Uh, but we're getting to a point where we can see, um, you know, some positives and, and silver linings, as you and Ron have liked to talk about over the last week. Um, no real other takeaways from this one, Johnny. It was it was a game where the Blackhawks showed up. Uh, they played well and, and in the end just didn't have enough and got beat by a, a better goaltender. I would agree. Um, that tells the tale of the tape uh, for how it goes. So let's move on uh, to Sunday night. Uh, one of those great six o'clock starts. As love, Eddie love, love it. At the United Center uh, against these same Columbus Blue Jackets kind of baseball style series uh, weekend stuff here. Um, but that will be 6 p.m. Central time, like I mentioned, uh, NBC Sports Chicago uh, for the television broadcast on that one. Blue Jackets now sit at four, two and three after this one. Believe they should be on top of the central standings. Thought they were uh, coming in tonight. Granted, there have been some uh, delays uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes and their opponents uh, within the central division. That they played uh, leaving fewer games and points available. 
available on the table for those teams. But as things stand, I uh, got to roll with it in this crazy COVID world. Uh, Blue Jackets on top of the division would be nice for the Hawks to uh, get a win here. But Tony, mine as I'm looking forward to this one in a preview of this one. This is a John Tortorella coach team that you're going up against. Um, the fieriest coach in the NHL by far, by a mile. The Blue Jackets are going to come out much stronger on Sunday night. I guarantee it. Any thoughts? I think so, too, uh, because if you're looking at a Blue Jackets team, uh, his message to them right now is going to be you can't play at that level that you did tonight. I know you walked away with a win, uh, but the the Hawks were were buzzing at certain times. Uh, and and you can't give them those types of chances. So I completely uh, and and utterly agree with what you just said. You're going to see a Blue Jackets team that knows that they can they, they can beat the Blackhawks. Uh, and if they play even better, they're looking at at a blowout chance uh, on Sunday. Um, that said, though, uh, I liked the the effort from the Blackhawks. It'll be interesting to see who's in net uh, for Sunday. Um, I, I can't really write uh, either way uh, which one uh, which one of these teams is going to come out and and be the be the victor yet. Uh, I'd like to see the goalie matchups, but you're going to need even more uh, from the Blackhawks. And I thought they played mm-hmm. well tonight again. You're going to need even more uh, to beat this Blue Jackets team. You're going to have to find another gear. Uh, whereas the Blue Jackets, uh, you know, they can kind of skate comfortably, and if if they find another gear on Sunday night. I think you're right. It might be, it might look a little bit different. I, one thing I would like to see uh, for this one is a 12 forward, six defenseman lineup. Um, I know the situation, like I'd mentioned all the aforementioned absences and all this. Do you mean you want to see them play with the uh, the actual right roster in in place? Yeah. But a guy that was called up to the taxi squad today, uh, really intriguing to me, Michael Tepley, um, you'd feel like they'd only make that move uh, if they were intending on getting him into the lineup at some point. I say do it Sunday um, because although he didn't score a goal in the World Junior Championships, the most recent action that we've seen him in really uh, live game stuff, he posted five assists and he was a presence around the net, played that top line left wing. Um, hey, I thought, you know, I told Ron uh, on a previous episode that. Matt Highmore's uh, little Edmonton run up in the bubble last year, sure it looked good, and he had a, you know potted a few and was in the right areas. Uh, but when you go and look at his time on ice so far in, in this young season, has not been trusted by Jeremy Colleton. I don't think he's eclipsed 10 minutes uh, time on ice in a single game. So, hey, if you're looking for one to boot out of here uh, from the roster, um, taking him out and uh, – put Michael Tepley in and run a normal lineup on uh, Sunday night. So that's about all I've got preview wise, but let's get to stick to clicks predictions for who's going to perform predictions for who's going to perform. Uh, you know, uh, there's a little bit of confidence behind Dylan Strom after, after pot and one tonight. Uh, I think I've got to ride with Stromer. That's a safe pick. I like it. Um, I feel like he'll kind of be involved in, like you'd said, uh, being one of the guys that has to step up uh, with the big scores. Out, um, Speak it into existence. Rest- yeah, it's speed into existence. I like Dylan Strom there, too. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, Patrick Kane's showtime, though. 
Um, it is about time. I feel like it's been too long since he, you know, he had a quiet game Tuesday in Nashville, stepped it up, had a few more shot attempts, but I know he had an assist tonight, but uh, I'd find in the back of the net. Uh, I think it's long overdue. You can't go more than about three games <laughs> without finding a Patrick King goal if you're watching the Chicago Blackhawks. So that's who I'll go with. That's a safe one, the easy one. But, um, you know, I kind of took an off-the-wall one tonight in Duncan Keats, so I feel like I can go back strong uh, to Kaner. So um, that, that does it for tonight, like I mentioned, uh, here on Friday, January 29th. Blackhawks lose 2-1 to one to the Blue Jackets. Uh, strong uh, offensive effort, um, but... Like I said, not as much to show for it. Only one goal in the back of the net. So we'll get back at them Sunday night, and we'll be back with another Four Feathers postgame show. Um, before we close it out, make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod at ONTAP Sportsnet. Go subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to podcasts. So, don't that does it for tonight. Uh, let's go and drink a few more beers and forget about this one. What do you say? Absolutely. Let's crack them, buddy. Right. Crack them. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks. Hawks.